This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. It's, um, it's not an easy topic for me to speak about. I, myself, as probably some of the older people in the room, were children of survivors. My father's Rain of Racha um, was in quite an older man when the war hit. He lost a wife and children and uh, came out of everything else. My mother, Tibar Al-Chaim was younger. And I still, until not so long ago, saw myself on the receiving end of needing to listen, to ask, to hear, and so on. It dawned on me that the burden is passed on to us, um, and it's a very heavy burden. The, the, old, the, the old song of, who's going to be my children's Zaydi if not for me? But there's one terrible um, shortcoming that I and my generation have, and that is, who are we to talk? Anything we say. My parents came with the credentials of having been there. And I'm not talking about historical credentials. We have historians and they've searched and are searching and so on. I'm talking about the emotional, personal credentials to talk about it in any way. And one would instinctively want to shy away and not speak about it. It's everything, just talking about something like that feels like you're desecrating something. I guess I don't have, we don't have that luxury, and you, who many of you are going to be mechanchos of the next generation, and even if you're not in formal chinuch, Be'ez Hashem, you'll have children. And this is going to be an important part of the history that you're going to teach your children. And the Gemara says about us, uh, an Amara made a statement, and he said, Olim Omro, Olim Lo Omro. Woe unto me if I say it, woe unto me if I don't say it. If you're not sensitive, you won't have any problems. You can tell the stories, you can not tell the stories. But if somebody is a balas nefesh, somebody has some sensitivity, you're going to have a lot of difficulty in communicating it. So I guess if I can give a caption to it, I would say, Shal no lecha mal reglecha, we're entering ground that is hallowed, and we need to make that circle. I want to first explain when the time comes to communicate, what's the circle we need to make? There's a Rambam, it's the second parik, very much at the beginning. Someone asked the Rambam a question that the Rambam considers one of the fundamental questions in Emuna. And the question deals with how was it that Bechira, 
was given to other Mauritian after he sinned. If Bechira is the crown of human uh, ability, and in many ways it's the area that is most divine-like, how could that have been given to him after the Chet? That's the question. And the Rambam says, Hikshali ish chacham zeh loishanim kushik dola. Zeh loishanim kushik dola. A wise man asked me a question that he's been wrestling with for many years. Sarech lehizbonin bekushya. You need to think hard about the question. Ubitshuvaseinu bepiruka. And our answer in, 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 in dealing with it. Now, there's a short little, uh, he brings the question, and then he starts the, the answer. And listen to how he addresses the person. Listen. Omanu, we told him, you, who's just beginning to think, and he thinks he understands a safer, which is the foundation of wisdom for the early ones and the later ones. When he had some odd moments from eating, drinking, family life, he looked into it. As if he'd be reading a novel or singing a song. Sit and think. It's not the way you thought at first glance. Now, the Ramam starts and says, this is a wise man, and the question is a very powerful question. And the Rambam makes it the first question he deals with the Moinavuchim. And the Rambam addresses the person in the way we just read now. And I think what the Rambam is saying is there are questions that are mechanical questions. How much is two and two can be air standing on one foot dancing? Even if it's a tough problem, you need to sit down. But this, there's no required setting for a question that has no real, um, it, it, it comes with no real content to it. He said, you're dealing with a fundamental question here in Ikriya Torah, and your attitude requires a sense that you're dealing with Kodesh. It has to do not, the question is a very good question and a very significant question, but the attitude of a person asking it, the Ramaphans wanting. And I think to tell stories about the Shoah in anything but a special setting and an understanding that it needs its setting, its mood, its time, is very important. So the first thing I would like to lay down is the understanding that this is hallowed ground and requires the attitude when we talk about it, when we tell about it, when, when we discuss it, and we need to find the time, whether it's a school setting, community setting, personal family setting, you need to give it the chshivas that it is, that it has. We need to stay within two parameters. And I think that is probably the toughest of the issues. 
on the one hand, to talk about it in a context that's divorced from Tanakh is calling in question our belief in Tanakh. To talk about other people with a haughtiness and a certain smugness about what they did, what they didn't do, calls into question our being a human being, our sensitivity, our understanding of who we are and who we would be if we were faced with other circumstances. There's a parasha, and the reason, and I'll, and I'll explain why I feel comfortable, or the words are comfortable, but I feel entitled to use this as the, as the, as the um, guideline for one direction of this conversation. This was, an undis- my father was in Kovna Ghetto with a godel, a tremendous godel named Rebotel Pragomansky. We'll be quoting something from him later on. Um, and, my, and he would say shmuzen. Rebotel Pragomansky was the crown of the yeshiva world in Europe. He passed through the, he was about tshuva actually, fascinating story. His biography just came out in Hebrew. He was a, a, a figure in our house in terms of the stories. He lived in my father's house many times. He was, those people learned to tell us no, those people in Slabotka know. He was a crown jewel of the yeshiva world. He was a, an older person. And he would say shmuz in the ghetto, in Kovna ghetto. And the, his overall framework for the shmuzen were psukim in And he would say, and I'm quoting him, I'm not talking, I'm quoting him. He says, he would say, I don't hear the clacking of the German boots. I don't see Nazis around. I see psukim of Tanakh coming to life. And the Pasuk says, the Novi Yechestel Salon Kaisrol, that which you've that which you've entertained, it won't come to being. You want to become like the nations around you. You want to assimilate in and become part of them. Akadashbarhu swears. I will be your melech. Hopefully, because you crown me as a melech. And if not, I will do what it takes to do to retain Kalal Yisrael as the Amashem. That's, if there's any theme, so to speak, from Chumash, whether the Teichachon Vayikra, and the Teichach and Dvarim, and every Navi, Vayasu Yisrael Rabbein Hashem, Vayishlach Es, then Vayishlach Shmuel Loishim, David Loishim, on and on and on. There is one Yad of Ashkacha, and that is every time there's a threat that we would stop being a Kaddish Baruch Hu, a Kaddish Baruch Hu pulls us back no matter what it takes. Let me give you a vivid muscle. When someone's child is drifting away, so we try to bring back with love, with embrace, 
Sometimes when somebody's on a chart, on course, to do something terrible, will intervene in the roughest of ways. And that's because we don't want to lose a child. That's, these events are events of HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying that he's going to be Moilech on us, On the other hand, there's a Gemara, Ma'isa Baramechad, Megillah, Shayukayra Lamaila Revelezza, Hoides Yushalayim Estavaseha. He was reading the parsha. The, the, also in Yecheskel, go tell Yushalayim all of the abominations they do. Amaloi, so Abiyaza said, Ad Shataboidek, Betoyavos Yushalayim, before you start criticizing the Toyavos of Yushalayim, say Bedok Betoyavos Imecha, Botkachrov, Motzvay Shemes Puzzle. And he found he himself had his share of issues. To go and to speak about details, specifics, that's not where we go. It's not us, and we can't say anything about it. What we can say is that we, going forward, need to do what it takes to be oiches in the bris with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The understanding that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do what it takes to bring us back. And not only us sitting in this room, but we also have a responsibility for every person that Beshem Yisrael Yikra. Anyone who's Jewish is our responsibility, not theirs. They don't know. They don't understand. We know. We understand. And we're responsible. If a little, if a little child runs into the street, it, the little child is not the guilty party. It's the older brother who's standing there and doesn't do anything. So the, the, the achrayis on us is, one, to understand this as part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's big bris, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's promise to us that will never, ever drift away. And that's the worst thing I can happen to call Yisrael is to break the grip of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and drift off. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said it won't happen. Hopefully, a kind grasp, will, an embrace will do it. And if not, I'll do whatever it takes. That is as far as we need, can, are allowed to go. We need never to understand, to understand it out of the context of, of, of Tanakh, and that we should make ourselves. And I always... I, when somebody says something on this sort that, that, that is off, I always think of the Rambam. This person about Hashem at three square meals, now he sits down and he's telling exactly what happened. We don't understand the nesionos of those generations. We don't understand the problems. We don't understand it. It's not relevant to us. The only thing that's relevant to us is going forward, we have an achrayas to be machzik in the bris of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we should tighten the grip instead of waiting for the other to happen. What type of words, what type of stories? The Gemara says in many places that Chayev Adam Leima Dava B'Shem Rabbi. 
A person needs to say things with his Rebbe's Lashen, in the words that his Rebbe used and the way he said them. You can't go wrong if you say the words and type them properly because they're his words. Um, I want to, I selected a few items that were said by Gdoli Yisrael who lived there, were in it, while they were in it. And I want to focus on what things I picked out to speak about the physical horrors, it's important to read about it. But the truth is, those are things that they passed. We need to look at it and as much as possible to have some sort of to, to feel what it was like. But I don't think that that's quite the Nakuda. We to, there's a genre of stories and sayings that are pure emuna and, and gvura, and they're important, but somehow they don't, they don't seem lifelike. We can't sit in those shoes. People are giants, and, and someone could just be oblivious under those circumstances. It's important that there were things like that, there were people like that. It's still not having the type of Nesias all to be able to feel and to resonate. What I tried to pick out were big people whose emuna came within the context of a difficult emotional struggle. The physical pain passes. The emotional struggle, when we talk about emuna. We're not talking about a cheshben, yes Hashem, not Hashem, this reason, that reason, other reason, wrong vocabulary, wrong methodology. We're talking about a person who struggles with his neshama and his emotions. And to see emuna expressed through those words of people, an emuna expressed within the context of an emotional struggle are words we can use in the right setting, and the right time, and give over a sense of a child where he'll understand some of the Yisuri Nefesh, some of the real Gvura. When somebody's oblivious or something, somebody has no pain sensation, and you stick a pin and it doesn't say anything. It's not a Gvura. He didn't have. So there's going to be a big person that is in a different world, and nothing affected him. But when a person has sensations of pain, and screams, and yet displays Gvura, those are extraordinary moments. And those are moments that, A, um, we, we, we can identify with the Tsar. It allows us to, be, to, 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 to feel, to have the Nesias all with what was happening, the, 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 the credible internal torture that they went through. And it's a chizik for Amuna because we don't have the luxury of being oblivious to things that happened. We live through them. And when we understand how to find things in struggle, we will be able to have something for us as well also. I've picked um, three big people, three gdolim, one of whom survived the war and rebuilt, one of whom 
survived the war and was Nifta a few years, two, three years afterwards, and didn't he rebuilt in a small way, and one of whom was killed in the war, but kept the diary at Chidusha Torah and so on. The three people are two of the three I have a personal connection to, and one not. One is, I told Remotel Pogromansky. Remotel Pogromansky was a Balchuva before they invented them. He was a phenomenal genius who um, grew up in Lita, not, not a from home. Rebellion Lopian, as a young, grabbed him as a young boy. Rebellion Lopian went around to the Hazik people, you know, after World War I. He, he became a, a, a Talmud of Tulls and was considered on par with Rosh Hashivas there. He then moved to Slabotka and spent most of the time, and he would say occasional shurim and shmuzen. He, I don't want to take the time, but he was from the great stars. He made it through the war in incredible ways and survived a few years afterwards where he helped establish in Paris for a lot of the refugees, yeshivas, and then he died, um, he, uh, of, he died of cancer, and that was Ramot Pogmansky. The second person, and that was my father. He, he was my father's home a lot. My father supplied him things. That's a, a household name in our family. Kloisenberger Rebbe survived the war, rebuilt and established. My father was with him in the DP camps. He was close with him. And my father did a lot of things, and, you know, certain things he needed taken care of. My father was very close with him, and that's a second person. Third person was one of the upcoming great rebbes in Europe, the Piasatzna. Um, he himself was incredibly <laughs> ahead of his times. He realized how the Chinuch is, the Chsidisha world is disintegrating. He made yeshivas, structured yeshivas. He wrote Sfarim that have become in the Chsidisha Welt classics for young Talmidim, giving them Hadracha and Chizuk. He writes in his like, dumbest things that you would think were written today. I mean, he, he writes, everybody prides themselves, they walk around the yeshiva, Beis Medrash, he said, look out the window, look where everybody is. What are you proud of a Beis Medrash when you have 10,000 people outside? You, you're not giving the, the young door pride and so on. An extraordinary person, just extraordinary. He suffered through it. He, he was caught up in the war. He had, his family was slowly killed off. He had one son, his pride and joy, who was a big Talmud Chacham and a big Kaddish, and he was killed one or two years before, and he was very broken from it. And he wrote a sefer that he kept, Shmuzen, that he said in the ghetto, Torah. He made it through three years, and it ends with that. There those I, I want to learn through, some excerpts. This is the Torah of the only people that have the right to learn the sugya, the terrible sugya of the war. These and those type of people, the people who were Osek in the sugya and felt the sugya and lived the sugya and gave us over the very tire of that era. I have it, um, I, I have, there are copies of the things I'm using and I left them yeah. here and if anybody wants to make use of it, um, feel free afterwards to take sheets um, or I also made, I left some blanks, you could run more, whatever, as, as you wish. I want to read over this is from Lapid Ha'esh. This is from about the Kloisenberger Rebbe. I believe it's been translated in English. I, I, all the, the three, the three uh, Sfarim I used were in Hebrew. Um, they're really written by people who were close, 
the stories are authentic, they were checked and rechecked. It's, it's something that a lot of work and effort went into all three, certainly the, 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 the one that was written himself by the PSS. <laughs> he, he describes the Kloisenberger, they describe the first Tish. After incredible stories about the Kloisenberger Rebbe's Shmiras HaMitzvahs and Diktuk HaMitzvahs during the war years, the first Shabbos after liberation, they were still in the camp. He made Kiddush on bread. There was no wine. He only ate potatoes because everything else he had childless with the kashras. He started speaking Divritera, and he expressed a tremendous tzar. He said, this is not how I thought it would end. Did I think it would end with the Germans giving up? I've, he said, I was expecting that there wouldn't be one blade of grass left in this cursed land. He said, were we waiting for American soldiers? We were waiting for Shiftekar. He, he expressed the sense, he understood that there are Tkufis in Klal Yisrael that will come with tremendous, tremendous Yisurim. And the Yisurim weren't alien to him. But there was a disappointment that the Yisurim hadn't given birth to a new rejuvenation of Kal Yisrael and in Sakhanel Malchashakai. They have here two or three stories about the Rebbe understood the people went through it, understood how much, how much stress and strain and how he, he couldn't, he wasn't going to preach to them. And he says, the Rebbe, he said, never demanded of anyone anything in Torah and, and, and in mitzvahs. He, he would slowly deal with them as people. He said, one of the survivors, who was not from, wrote, he said, until the last day of the, of the camps, I believed there would be Geula. And when it didn't come, I left. And I became not from. He said, when I got to the DP camp, I met the Rebbe. And the Rebbe understood my angst and what was going through my mind and heart. He didn't give me Musa. He asked one thing, spend your Narayim with me and eat with me. And I went in Ervin Kippur for a bracha, and he said, stay the way you are, don't worry. Someone else came to the Rebbe, and he said that, um, the, the, he, he's, he, he, it says over here, um, he said that I don't want to become part of your community because I won't be able to go see movies. And the Rebbe told him, as soon as there are, there's a movie theater and movies, I will buy you the ticket. And kachave. And he, until the person gradually came to his senses and, and became an al Only a person who lived through it and understood it understood where the other person was, could understand how to deal with it. Was he interested in having this other person remain an apicorist? No. But this was not the time and place to preach a Muna 
and mitzvahs. It was a time and place to bring somebody back. One. Two. I'd like to, some quotes on Biyasatzdan. There, there's more that I'm going to read. We don't have that, that much time. But I want to read three pieces, three things. One is, it's a sefer called Eish Kodesh. It's, 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 it's quite available. He says, when they brought his child in dead, his son, it wasn't a child, it was a grown-up son who was an Adam Chashev, and this was his pride and joy. This is what he had lived for. He was building a chsidus that would reinvigorate the Yiddish world with ruach and neshama, and his son would be the one to take over. He was, he was wounded in the bombings, and then he was nifted on Sukkis. They brought him in, he didn't cry. Matzi Shabbos, he started crying, and he said, I have lost the war. My war is over. I'm finished. HaKadosh Baruch should help that Klal Yisrael should survive. He didn't, his war was over. And he said, and now the only thing I can think of is that someone else survived to relight that fire again. He writes, the last piece was ironically Shabbos Chazon. And he speaks about the concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, the word Chazon, Chazoy means to see, to look. And he speaks about the, the Indian of Ra'oi Ra'isi Ba'ani Ami. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I now have seen the suffering of my people. And the Rebbe is Medayik, that there's a word Yediyah, which means to know, and there's a word Re'iyah, which is to see. By us, there's a difference. Some things we know about, something we see. By Kaddish Baruch Hu, there's obviously no difference. It's one and the same. So he explains that Yediyah and Re'iyah are two ways in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu relates to events in Kal Yisrael. Yadati and Ra'isi. And he explains it with a marshal. And this is the last divitari that we have of his. He says, V'zer ro'oi ro'isi ba'oni amesha mitzrayim ki yadati asmach oivav. He says, I've seen the suffering because I do know what's hurting them. So he says, it's hard to understand what it means I've seen it because I know. So he says, He says, A father can be aware of the fact that a child needs a very difficult medical treatment. He knows that, and he's instrumental in getting his child for the treatment. He says, but the same father who, who got money together and got the best doctor and sent him for the operation won't be able to stand and look at it. He says, And even though he knows that it's the right thing and it's good, To look at it, he can't. Why? When a person has to have that immediacy of, 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 of seeing it, his mind loses the understanding of how important it is for the child. And he, he'll do something, he'll even stop it. 
because he's so caught up with the tsar that the re'ia is mevatel the idea. The re'ia cancels the idea. And he finishes lefty retired Shabbos Chazoyim. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with the mid of re'ia of Chazoy. Halavai HaKadosh Baruch Hu should, should use the mid of re'ia. So even though we know that mitzad yedia HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is necessary. But the mid of re'ia will bring a type of rachmim that will be able to overcome it. Those are his last Torah. There's one more thing that I would like to share about what he says. And almost every shtickle of his is a person has a hard time, how could he be mechazik himself, how can mechazik himself? He obviously is talking from his own heart as well. A lot of times a person wonders about himself. I'm a broken person. I'm always in a mood to cry. And many times I break up crying. I'm going to learn how to mechazik myself to mechadish and to And sometimes he says, you know what? Maybe it's a certain hard-heartedness that I can ignore everything and be all sick and, and, and so on and so forth. So he brings a chazal. It says the Gemara Chagiga that the Gemara Akasha, it says that there are two Akash who cries, and there's a pasuk that says Oiz So in one place it says Akadosh Baruch Hu's Hanhaga is always besimcha, and one place it says Akadosh Baruch Hu's married the most on 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 the on the loss of 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 the of the cover of Yisrael. So the Gemara answers. This, there's Bate Bro'i and Bate Gavo'i. On the outside, it looks like always Oz Vechedva, whatever that means, on the outer Hashkacha. On the inner Hashkacha, there is Bechia. So he says, if a person pushes himself, and a person learns and Zoivet Hashem, even when it's difficult, then he's able to break through that outer layer and reach into the inner layer where Kavayochel HaKadosh Baruch himself is crying. When you sit and cry alone on your tsaris, you become depressed and broken and helpless. But when you sob with HaKadosh Baruch Hu together, they strengthen a person. He cries and feels strengthened. He's broken and strengthens himself to continue learning and doing Hashem. The first two or three times is hard to lift yourself past that outer layer of Oizachedra. <laughs> when, when he struggles and overcomes that hurdle, he enters in that inner sanctum where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is crying. So, He's talking with the blood drops of his own heart. 
and he's talking about himself, and he's saying that when a person understands, when a person is able to understand, he's not telling us there's no cause to cry. He's not telling us, he's not living in a fool's paradise. He said, I lost the war. It's over for me. But he said, there's a place in the Bria, in, in, in that Gehenim, where HaKadosh Baruch is there as well. And if we hold on and we both cry, Kaviyachol, then, then I can hold on to it. Those are words of the only person that I have the right to say these things. This is the Divrei Torah of Auschwitz. Those, and this is the Rebbe of it. One more. This is from Ramad Bagamansky. These stories, there are two stories I want to say over. Um, one of them I heard before. Again, my father was close, and we had a family friend. I may have asked him, still alive, he's still a man, I may have asked him, not a youngster by any stretch of imagination, who were Barsham, his memory is very fresh and very um, big balregish. And the two stories are similar. They both happened. Um, and Ramadal had the same take on both of them. One of them has a knech that it's not quite mentioned here, a small addition. I want to say over these two stories. Kovna was, it was the capital of Lithuania between the wars. And the ghetto there lasted, um, lasted quite long. They liquidated the ghetto in, in 43, 44. Um, and for a few years, there was a sort of a normal life, very, very, very darkistic, but there was some semblance of it. What the Germans did was there were some, there were a few axes, which means they would come and remove an entire sector of population to kill them off. Older people, younger people, and the ones that were difficult, the most the hardest one was the children axe. He says like this, there was, there was Erev Pesach in Tovshin Dalit, 1944. That's when the Nazis did their kinder aktia, and they took out every child from the ghetto and killed them, including my brother and my sister, Shem And um, it was devastating. People had lived for three years with, ter- with terrible terrorists, but they said, you know what, we'll survive, we have kids, there'll be a new generation, and this is where they'll go. It's before Pesach, and the Jews were baking matzahs, very, very, they had to do it sort of surreptitiously, in order to be mekayim the mitzvah. And then the Germans broke into the homes, grabbed all the kids, and dumped them in trucks, and took, carted them off to kill. At the end of it, when they finished, the person telling the story, Rabshim Segel, should be well, and his friend, Schoen Wacher Meir Lampert, they walked out, and they saw families and parents that took all the Tashmish Ekdusha they had with the matzahs that they, in, that they had that endangered themselves to bake and threw it out the window. We saw Sifre Kodesh, Sidurim, Chumash, and Gemaras thrown out. We saw the matzahs that they acquired from Sirius Nefesh for Pesach broken and tossed like garbage. We were devastated. And we came to Rebmatl totally overwhelmed from what we saw. Rebmatl said, tell me what you saw. He was very shaken, and he thought a minute. And then he said, you know, he said, this is real Amuna. Because when a kid is walking with his father, and he asks for something, and the father says no, 
and the kid starts hitting and biting and kicking, it's because the child knows that the father has the ability to do something. The anger and the rage is directed because you know that he did it. And in that terrible, terrible loss of Emuna, he saw Emuna. This is a section of real life. People were destroyed. Many were rebuilt afterwards. But how could they not be destroyed? And yet, somebody who is a giant could see the Nekud of Amuna that's there. There's a similar story, and I think in, a, in an audience of, of, of future mothers, it's an extraordinary story. And that would be... It was a very similar story, and I, I know both to be true. Again, I know this. This is an almost personal um, knowledge. He said... Once they once took children away on Arab Shabbos. It wasn't in this in this kufa. This the, the Pesach actually was in the, in the middle of the week. It was a Monday, Tuesday, or sometime. And they grabbed a child from a father. And he came home, and he saw his wife lighting licht, and he took the licht and smashed him. And he said, "It's not the time to light licht anymore." And she stood there petrified. And she gathered up the licht and put them back, benched on it, and said the thriller. When they told Reb Matl, he said the same word about Amuna. And he said, the mother's Amuna is beyond human imagination. I think it's a topic that's probably our most sacred trust to pass on. We need to deal with it maturely. We need to deal with it understanding. And we need to leave it for times when we have the ability to talk about it the way you should. There are things you can talk offhandedly about. There are things that you need to think about. They have to be stories that are true. Baruch Hashem, today there are sfarim and books that were written where they did a lot of research to make sure the facts are true. They need to be emotionally true. They need you need to be able to emotionally grab onto it. There are things we don't have a musag of. And telling those things, maybe do something to give us a sense of extraordinary gvura, but they don't give us a foothold in these things. To, it's our achrayas to choose, to select, to read, and to know what we're going to pass on. We need to pass on a message. The first thing is the reason to talk about it is to the Nesias all of Kalisrol. It's not only somebody in the present, it's the Nesias all of this generation to the generation that was and the generation that were. We need to live it. We need to understand that Akadesh Baruch made one pledge that he'll never break, and that is that he won't let go of us. Sometimes, it comes with tremendous embrace, and sometimes it comes with an iron grip. But it's the same idea. We need not to speak about what was wrong because we don't know. We don't understand why things were the way they were, and we don't have the nisyonos. We do need to focus on the future and understand that going forward, we have what to learn from. 
We need to find the time and the place and the moment to help our children, Talmidos, and so on, connect to that Avar, to connect to the different Torah that were given by the Rosh Hashivas of that event. The Rosh Hashivas of that event were the people that lived through it, gave us different Torah, and, and, and the Havana of a person who was in that terrible base Medrash, where HaKadosh Baruch taught us the Pashim Yecheskel. And those different Torah will, will give us a glimmer of light when I'm saying that Kufa. Thank you.